Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 174 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, January 15th, 2020, the podcast that you listen to until you discover that there are a lot of other better podcasts out there. My name is Josh Cannon, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. Started up my uh, last semester at uh, WC Vancouver this week. Um taking an astronomy class i got a lab tonight uh but i already have a lab uh partner already really have a lab group uh two gals oh uh, one one uh one uh one girl that i was in a uh, class previously with and she actually uh asked me you know if they wanted to do a little study group or something she attractive um i would say she's cute you know, kind of the the uh, nerdy sort of cute, you know, that kind of thing. Why don't you ask Which her I'm out totally... to uh, see a movie sometime? Uh, I'm th- I'm actually kind of thinking about it. But dude, I'm, like, do it, man. Shy. You do. You know how fucking excited I'll be for you if you like go and see a movie with an actual female. <laughs> I'll be so proud of you. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about it, and we'll see how the lab goes. It's through. a lot easier to do that when you have like a rapport with someone like like what you're doing with the lab thing and you you yeah. see them a lot and all that but just don't be a pussy man like you gotta ask <laughs> gotta ask them man you gotta it's gonna feel awkward but you just gotta you gotta ask and they'll probably see your awkwardness and think it's charming <laughs> okay all right um so i'm definitely thinking about it but uh astronomy i didn't know there's gonna be so much math so that has me a little bit leery but uh We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's uh, that would be an unpleasant surprise. Because, you know, you think astronomy, stars, whatever the hell, and it's like math. Planets. Math? You know. What? That, yeah. That, I, I had a class like that in college, a, a tricky class that pulled a fast one on me. Uh, the, the name of the class was Health and Nutrition, and I thought, okay, cool. I'll learn about, like, what foods I should be eating. I'll learn about, like, vitamins and shit like that. No. That class was literally all about your digestive system, and it went in depth about Ooh, your digestive system, like vali and enzymes and the most boring Shit. bullshit that you would ever want to know about. And the only time people take a health and nutrition class is if they're trying to be like a personal trainer or a nurse or something like that. I did. I had no business taking that class. I literally thought electives were just taking classes that you thought were personally interesting. So I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. And why I didn't drop out of that class after realizing what it was, I will never know. But uh, I still remember what that textbook looks looks like in my head, and it gives me PTSD thinking about it. I hated that class. 
<laughs> I hated college. I don't even like talking about it. I don't Sounds even... like my literary criticism class, which I thought was going to be about, you know, criticizing uh, literary works. Yeah, you know, it sounds great. Not about literary theory. Oh, so. why do they got to? Why do they got to do the uh, the old switcheroo, the old bait and switch? Yeah, let's it, 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 click baity class title, and then you click on it and you <laughs> sign up for it. And it's like psych. Here's a bunch of bullshit math. Here's fucking Sigmund Freud. <laughs> oh God, Sigmund Freud, and his talk about the uh, all the various sexual phases that kids go through before the age of like ten. Yeah. And then the whole fucking castration complex. Everything was a castration complex. His theories, and he would get, like, triggered. Like, he was one of the earliest people who got triggered at other people. Like, so other people would criticize his work, and then he'd get all triggered about it, and then, like, write like, write uh, essays, and then he'd basically write, he'd write a diss track. shit on. Yeah, shit on those other people. Oh, that's, um, uh, that's, not, yeah. that's not the sign of a... You know, someone who uh, is a little unstable. I mean, I feel like if it's, it seems like he's talking about shit, like people aren't afraid of the dark, of, or they're not afraid of being buried alive because of you know it, it's claustrophobic and it's fucking terrifying, and you're you're suffocating to death and you can't see. He he think he's trying to say that people are afraid of being buried alive because they're afraid of going back into the womb. And oh I'm like, my shut God. the fuck up, Sigmund <laughs> fuck off. I hate that <laughs> shit. Some of the stuff he said, it was like, okay, yeah, that's, you know, you might be onto something. But then you, you like, dilute it with all this other stuff, and it kind of, like, contaminates everything else you said. It's like, oh, well, well, that makes sense, but now you're saying this other crazy shit that doesn't make sense, so maybe yeah. I should question the first thing you said that I thought made sense, because it sound, the other things you're saying are sounding nutty to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, that's cool. So I actually have some bullet points here of, of things I was going to talk about at the uh, top of the podcast here. <laughs> I was a little late getting to uh, do the podcast because uh, I had my treadmill repaired, by uh so for like the last two months and i'm talking like over the fucking holidays the time where as someone who cares about their health and fitness like me you really should be working out you shouldn't stop working out during the holidays but you should should try to squeeze in more cardio time with all the bad food you're gonna eat but my treadmill decided to shit the bed somewhere in like early december and I haven't been able to do any cardio. I'm not going to run in my neighborhood. I don't live in the best neighborhood. And I fucking hate the way that concrete feels uh, running on it. It sucks and it's uncomfortable and dogs will bark at you. And it just it's, it's a whole pain in the ass. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I thought I have a, a warranty on the treadmill. So I thought it would, you know, be fixed very quickly. Well, no, the part was on back order and then blah, 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 this, that and the other. So the guy finally came today and... He knew about all things treadmills, and, and, and I, I guess it just warms my heart to know out there that there is a treadmill repairman's uh, uh, industry or occupation that, that is uh, alive and well, apparently. That just kind of blew my mind, you know? And it reminds me of, like, you have your milkman, you have your TV repairman, you have your, your piano tuner. Well, there's just to throw treadmill repairman into that mix. Uh, I just... I just thought that was super interesting. But then when he actually like installed the new board and all, I was like, shit, I could have done this. It was like literally removing a few screws and attaching a few ribbon cables. But 
My treadmill is repaired now, so my fat ass can hopefully lose some weight because we just took band pictures the other day. And although they came out good, I am still like, ugh, my face is a little puffier than I'd like to be. When you're at the weight that I'm at, if you lose five pounds, that literally makes all the difference. Like, if you're someone who's like 300 pounds and you lose the five pounds, not so much. But, like, I'm at the, I'm at the cusp of being, like, a chubby fat fuck. Um, so I'm really trying to back it up. But, yeah, I don't know what the point was to any of that. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I was surprised that there is a treadmill repair person out there still. And the second thing that I would uh, talk about before we get into this is um, my my crazy uh, scared dog lady story that happened to me yesterday, actually. Now, for anybody who listens to the podcast, you know that there's never a shortage of uh, really interesting things that happen in my neighborhood. First thing that comes to mind is the crackhead lawnmower guy. Um, well, this time around... <sighs> It was yesterday. I was uh, kind of half asleep at around 1230 because uh, that's, uh, you know, I sleep late. I'm a DJ. What do you expect? Stop judging me. So then I start hearing these frantic knocks at my door. And I'm like, what the fuck? Nobody would knock on my door like that unless they're someone I know. Because if you're a stranger, you would never knock on someone's door like that. So I go to the door and I look out the window and I all I see at the bottom of my stairs is this like haggard looking shopping cart, which, you know, that's a good sign, you know, like <laughs> this, this is going to be a, a good interaction with whoever is on the other side of that door. Someone who is who wheeled a haggard shopping cart up to my uh, up to my stairs. And then I'm like looking out and I don't really see anyone. And then finally, I stand on my tippy toes and look out the very bottom of the window that's at the top of my door and I see this like mop of dark hair huddled up like in right in my doorway basically so I open the door because I'm like what the fuck and it's this old black woman and she is freaking the fuck out and she's like and I'm not even like trying to like you know this is exactly how she sounded she's like sir sir please please help me please oh my god oh my god there's dogs walking around the neighborhood they they vicious they vicious dogs and then i look up and i see these three dogs that my neighbor down the street has and uh they're out and they're just kind of like walking around the neighborhood like sniffing around and um you know just exploring as dogs tend to do when they break out of a, a yard and this lady is freaking the fuck out. Like, she's like, the vicious, sir. I'm so afraid of dogs. Oh, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Huh? She had this thing where at the end of anything she said, she'd say, huh? Like a question. And I don't know if she was, like, mentally not all there. I don't think she is mentally all there because I've seen her before. And I, she's, like, literally walked up into my yard before because she saw me in the window. And she was, like, waving me down. And I, I opened my window. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, do you mow your own lawn? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. And she walked away. I'm guessing she was trying to solicit some lawn mowing. Yeah, she was trying to get uh, some lawn Some business money. for someone. Um, and after what you dealt with with that, you're, you're like, fuck that. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> fuck to the no. <laughs> get out of my yard. <laughs> I just didn't like... I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of... The fact that any old fucker can walk up in my yard whenever they damn well please and knock on my door, 
you know, steal my bike, break into my car, all things that have happened to me. So anyway, this chick is on the um, my front porch with me, and I don't know what to do. She woke me up. I'm tired. I'm, like, slightly hungover. She's freaking the fuck out about these dogs that, that are clearly not any threat to her in this particular moment. She's got her cart blocking the stairs to my uh, front porch, to, I guess in a makeshift way of protecting herself from the dogs. And she is just scared to death of these dogs. And she keeps saying how vicious they are. And, you know, I, I'm not afraid of dogs. I'm kind of a dog person. Myself. I grew up with dogs. But I can't sit here and say if a dog is vicious or not. Uh, these dogs look like, you know, Rottweilers or, or whatever. Maybe pit like part pit bull. So, I don't know. They could have been vicious for all I knew. So, I couldn't exactly say that she was being completely crazy. But her level of fear was irrational and i didn't i didn't know what i I was supposed to do all i could do because like i i don't should i tell her to you know get the fuck off my porch like who like who are you (laughs) why are you knocking like like get out of here that didn't feel right it didn't feel right to say that so all i did was just stand on the porch with her as she freaked out she almost fell off my porch because she kept walking around like a madman and she almost fell off my my steps a few times i'm like hey watch out you know please god don't fall off my steps <laughs> and injure yourself on my fucking property and then sue me because that's exactly what people do nowadays yeah and so all i could do was just stand there with her and like observe what the dogs were doing i'm like oh well now they're walking over to that to that yard which i don't even know why i was saying that because she was like she could clearly see the dogs as well i didn't even need to like announce a play-by-play of what the dogs were doing i just didn't know what else to say and it was awkward i'm like what you bitch you woke me up what do you want me to you want me to sounds like the whole situation was the epitome of awkward yes it really was and then she kept doing this huh thing she'd be like she's like oh my god i i live i live a few houses down you seen me right huh and she's like, I'm so scared of dog, huh? And I don't know if it's like a a, a speech, like, uh, characteristic of, of her and her family or what, but at one point she's just like, huh? And I go, lady, I didn't say anything. And then she looked at me like I was the crazy one. Like, why are you telling me you didn't say anything? So I don't even think she was aware that she was saying, huh, after everything she said. So anyway... She's she's, you know, going on and on about these dogs and the dogs are just finally they just kind of walk away, but she doesn't know where they're at or if they're going to rush her or whatever. And so then she starts talking, she's saying she lives two houses down from me. And eventually she's like, I need to call a cab. I need to call a cab. Can you call me a cab? Because I need to get in this cab and drive two houses down to avoid the dog. And I'm like, lady, do you want me to just walk you to your house? And she's like, oh, please, sir, please, that would, that would be great, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, all right, let me go grab a baseball bat, I guess. What a gentleman. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> my, my whole, like, Good Samaritan complex takes at least, like, 15 minutes to kick in. I am not one of those people that instantly jumps on the scene and helps out. I am not a hero, people. Uh, so I literally had to like mull over in my head for like 10 or 15 minutes. Like, what am I going to do with this lady who is not going to leave my porch? Cause she's, she has this irrational fear of these dogs have gotten out and maybe it wasn't irrational. That's the thing. I don't know. They could have, they, you know, maybe, maybe they could have 
the, in an off chance rush turn bit her. I know if it were me, I'd still be walking down the fucking road. I don't know. I'm just not afraid of dogs. Uh, I have an experience uh, with dogs that I think... It- <laughs> Well, look, I'll wrap this story up real quick and you can you can get into that. So anyway, I grab a baseball bat and I'm just I'm walking down there. So the visual is this, you know, younger looking tattooed white guy with a baseball bat is walking with this older black woman down the road. It literally looked like we were the last two people alive after some post-apocalyptic nuclear disaster or something. And now like her and I are going to become an unlikely duo in, in the, in the fight to save humanity or the rest of what's left of humanity or whatever. Like I wish there was some picture it's a sequel to book of Eli. It's called the book of Josh. Yeah. I wish there was some picture someone had taken of us that we could like turn into like a movie poster or something thing like like uh, uh i don't know what it would in fact i'll leave it up to the group you guys can like caption what that movie would be called like it was fun. so i like literally walk her two houses down she gets in her house and and all is well with the world at that point i guess but geez that was so fucking random like and the whole time i'm sitting there i'm i'm thinking to myself you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go through this experience because this is gonna be a great fucking story that i can tell people for at least a few weeks so yeah i'm Figured I'd share that with the podcast. I figured you guys would appreciate that. Yeah, that was definitely uh, quite a story. So, uh, I don't know if I've shared this story in this podcast or not. If I did, it might have been a long time ago. So, uh, some people might have forgotten. So, I'm going to refresh your memory. So, when I lived in Oklahoma City with my with my dad, um, I was walking home uh, from the bus stop one time. And going down the street, and these two dogs, and they were pretty big dogs. They dug right underneath the fence and just started chasing after me. Uh, this was not this was not like oh they're trying to play or whatever. No, it was like bark bark the loud barking, growling, chasing, uh, trying to bite. So one of them actually got me in the back of my ankle and I just booked it, man. I just ran as far and as fast as my legs could take me. So uh, to <laughs> back to my, uh, my dad's apartment. So my experience with dogs that are out is genuinely scary. But so I, I, if it was anything like that for her, I could see why she was she was really distraught and, and scared. But, you know, if it wasn't really like that, then I don't get it. But then again, she, like you said, she might have some. Uh, yeah, mental, I mean, I've never had a dog. illness of some yeah, kind. Yeah, I think she does to a certain extent. Yeah. Where the, the mental illness uh, just exaggerates the uh, severity of, of, a, of a situation like that. Uh, the dog that my, my stepdad adopted, Milo. The husky mix. Uh, you just adopted him pretty recently, just a few weeks ago, and uh, he's he's a just a really good dog. Uh, he's very chill, you know, loving, uh, gorgeous dog. It looks a husky mix. His light blue eyes. Looks like white and white, mostly white fur with with some you know shades of black and. Mixed in. Shades uh, of black. <laughs> pretty young. He's only two years old. 
apparently he's a Texas dog. He was uh, rescued. He was uh, rescued from a flood. There was some flooding that was going on in Texas, and he was a group of dogs that was uh, uh, rescued from that, and ultimately wound up in Vancouver for some reason. I don't really know why, but I guess uh, he was a stray for a while, and he wound up in Vancouver, uh, Washington, because uh, apparently his owners forgot about him or didn't want him or. Whatever. Well, if you've got you guys have ever been attacked by a dog, let us know in our group, which is <laughs> go to Facebook.com, go to Or the if groups. you have a dog. Well, that'd be everybody. Everybody has a fucking dog. For not every no, I mean, well I don't want to know if you everyone. have a dog. I want to know if you've been attacked by a dog. <laughs> anyway, go you were- Go to the group section on Facebook and type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries and join our group. There's all kinds of unsolved mysteries related stuff in there. And I think this is probably the first time in this entire episode that I even mentioned the show Unsolved Mysteries, which this is a podcast about as if 20 minutes in, uh, you didn't know, which no one would blame you if you didn't know, because a um, whole lot of uh, chit chat, which we, uh, it's so funny, man. Whenever I check our iTunes reviews, it's like, every, it's, it, it's, it's full of people who love us and people who hate our podcast. It's like, one day I'll get on there, one star review, these these two fucking losers just talk about nothing and it takes you fucking 15, 30 minutes to actually get to the cases and it's not even well researched, blah, blah. And then you got another review after that and it's a five star and it's like, I fucking love this podcast. I've been listening ever since they began and blah, blah, blah. I love the chit chat. And it's like, so it's, I don't know, man. I just, I guess. Different strokes. Yep. And but for some reason, like all the other podcasts out there, like they all get generally favorable reviews and very few one stars. But ours is is very polarizing well, it's because people were expecting, you know, uh, a more something serious, else. I guess. Especially, I guess, with our thumbnail, because our thumbnail looks like you know, like a serious <laughs> like podcast. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But that's not to say we don't talk about serious things. We just have, we do. We have a very uh, conversational. I think the last uh, podcast we did was pretty damn serious, if you ask me. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, uh, once we get into the actual content of the cases, it gets very serious, and you know we try to be respectful. But sometimes you'd have to throw. A and joke in terms in there. of the research, like some of it's like, how much research can we really do? I mean, like a lot of these cases we're talking about, like the research that we have is is the research that we can get is what we're using. There is no more research. If I had to do in-depth research on every case that we covered on this podcast, the podcast would no longer be fun for me, and I wouldn't want to do it. If the podcast was the only thing in my life that I did, then yeah, I would do shit like that, but it's not. It's it's important to me, and I I don't want to not do it, but at the same time, I'm not going to drop everything else that i'm doing and just focus on this you know i mean i'm not making any real money off of it per se you know himalaya hasn't really done that much for us you know in 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 recent time so you know it's like if i was making like last podcast on the left money you bet your ass i'd be (laughs) you know put more time into it but i guess one could make the argument well how do you think they got if to that did, point yeah you know they put the time into it and that's why they got blah 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 well fuck off mate it's ain't that kind of <laughs> podcast 
Anyway, let's get into these cases. These are both from Unsolved Mysteries. So, yeah, these are from season 11. Both handpicked by Mike. Yes, I've been watching uh, the show backwards. I finished season 12, and now I'm on to season 11. I'm way behind compared to Josh, who's watched the each uh, Amazon season numerous times already, yeah. probably. I think watching uh, it from, from the back and, like, from the late seasons and going to the early seasons, I think that's actually, like, the best way to watch it because you start with cases that are pretty good and they're entertaining enough, but then as you go back, it just gets better and better. Because if, well, yeah. if you start from the beginning, you get, like, the best, and then it just kind of gets, you know, not as good. Mm-hmm. So the first case we're going to talk about is the case of a biker gang leader, uh, total just ultimate douchebag, uh, Randy Mark Yeager. Randy! Who likes to be nicknamed Mad. I mean, for such a tough badass. I mean, Mad, that's your nickname? Like Mad Magazine? You know? Maybe they're trying to be like Mad Max. It's like but a he's not fucking. Max. That's like a typical like just wannabe alpha male it's, like yeah. nickname. I'm uh, uh caveman. Uh, uh, my name Mad, cause I'm <laughs> tough. I beat your ass. That make me more dominant in the eyes of society, or so my small mind think. Anyway. Yeah, uh, Randy Yeager is just, uh, and you look at this guy, he looks like a, he doesn't really look like your typical biker. He, he looks like a, you know, one of those, uh, looks like he works at like a pizza restaurant or something. Yeah, gotta, yeah. You know? he, looks like, he, lo- he looks like his name should be, uh, <laughs> fucking like Mikey or something. Mikey the pizza <laughs> guy. And in this home video picture they have him, he's it looks like he's wearing like a fucking beret. I don't know if it is or not. Yeah. It looks like like a, a French beret. Like what a tough guy with your French beret, <laughs> you fucking art student. <laughs> it's probably maybe some might be he's trying to do some sort of military what, thing. Are you gonna or like something? What, are you gonna fucking paint us a, a abstract piece of art or something? You're gonna <laughs> gonna do Pictionary with your little French beret there, mad. <laughs> In the reenactment, the actor they have actually looks tougher and meaner than the than the guy than the real guy. Yeah, I remember when I saw like the actual home video of Randy. I was like, they look nothing alike. They didn't even try with the casting here. So uh, when Nadine uh, Jelovich of Gary, Indiana, hadn't heard from her sister Margie for several days, she went to her house. Just such an Indiana name, Margie, right? Yeah, right. Nadine was concerned to find many personal items that Margie always took when traveling. Margie's car was was also left abandoned in the driveway. Why did Margie Jelovic suddenly leave? Was it of her own free will? Or was there something more sinister going on? Something I'd like to add. Um, so, uh, so, if this case had been on the revamped Dennis Farina Unsolved Mysteries... Dennis would have been, when Nadine Javalovich of Gary, Indiana, hadn't heard from her sister Margie for several days, she went home to her house. Gary, Indiana, of course, also being the birthplace of pop star Michael Jackson. 
<laughs> that, a, abs- there, that absolutely there probably is there probably is that uh uh this case might actually have been covered by uh by uh, they would Freedom always throw in needless details like that to like try to bring some kind of uh i don't know as if the young people are going to be like wow michael jackson yeah. now i'm really into watching this case because he and did then uh he did that bullshit with the uh, whole uh, Jesse James Hollywood thing that, uh-huh. that really perturbed me. He's like, the fi- this uh, this case was also adapted into a major Hollywood motion picture, Alpha Dog, starring Justin Timberlake. It's like, oh, cool. Now I'm. They said someone who's relevant in pop society. Now I'm. Now I'm really <laughs> interested in watching this show. Thanks, Mister. If they did cover this case, it'd probably also have, like, hard rock, you know. Oh, absolutely. Like, because he's a biker, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That show sucked. (laughs) So, uh, this uh, whole segment keeps up with the whole uh, bad casting. If you're trying to, like, show, like, some semblance of uh, a... uh, Real of reality to who uh, the actual person is. So they have um, Margie Jelovic. They show a picture of her, and the actress they have is actually uh, almost looks like a young supermodel or something. You know, she's she's uh, quite quite a quite a sight. Uh, but like the picture of Margie, you know, nothing wrong with her, you know, but it's just, they're, they don't look anything alike. So it's, it, it's just that, that theme carried over in this particular segment. Do you think that was a, think, do you think that was like a, a directorial decision? Like, let's get the reenactors to be as attractive as possible. It'll draw in, you know, possibly. a younger audience. So this, is, this, I also think since this was the lifetime version Maybe they just, uh, they were, they, it was harder for them to get cast, you know, harder to get people to, to do it. So they just kind of went with their Rolodex or whatever. Or just what, called or a PDA modeling or, agency and said, hey, yeah. can any of your bimbos act? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, because I noticed that quite a bit in this se- in these seasons, that the casting was just random. There really wasn't a whole lot of a uh, there wasn't a lot of thought put into casting to try to make uh, the individuals really seem like they were similar in in appearance to the actual uh, people in the case. So uh, six months earlier, Margie's life seemed ideal. She was a happy newlywed planning for a bright future with her husband Nasser in Detroit. Is that really his name? Okay. But six months after their wedding, Nassar was killed in a traffic accident. Shattered, Margie decided to move back to Gary, Indiana. That sucks. Yeah, it really does. So Margie immersed herself in her new job. She managed the night shift at the tavern owned by her mother. It's where she first encountered a biker named Randy Yeager. Randy! Yeager was a high-ranking member of a notorious biker gang, the Outlaws. Huh. They had an outgoing scruffy. He had an outgoing scruffy charm. Uh, the scruffy charm. <laughs> scruffy. That's a uh, pretty sure. Uh, uh, scruffy charm leads to herpes or some other kind of <laughs> STD. Scruffy charm is not how I would describe Randy Yeager to me. 
Yeah, I, I bet he uses. I bet he would. Uh, he used words like "little lady" and "gal" and shit like that. Yeah, and an air of danger, oh, which was attracted to the vulnerable young widow. Margie's sister Nadine had met him, and she's quoted here. I think that he complimented her in ways that she needed to be complimented, and she needed perhaps those accolades that made her feel good. He knew how to say the right things to charm her, and she, in turn, was charmed by him. I got a question for the ladies out there listening. Is this whole notion of uh, the the danger, the air of danger, the the bad boy, is that like... Is it hot? Is, it, is that really <laughs> like a turn-on, or is that like a myth that has been perpetuated by, like, TV? I've I always wondered that. I definitely have seen a certain type of... Woman. Yes, I think it depends on the personality. Yeah, like my cousin, for instance, okay, I know I bring him up a lot on this podcast. I hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't usually bring him up in the best light, but he's made a lot of mistakes in his life. What can I say? He has the bad boy, quote unquote, personality, and he, he kind of always has. And he would get into fights at bars, and he would do all the typical white trash shit that you would expect. And yeah, he definitely had a certain type of girl that he was always with. Uh, they usually didn't have much intelligence in their heads and they were usually very attractive. And it was weird how all those two things always seem to go hand in hand. It's like, she's so hot, yet she's so dumb and he's dumb too. And so I don't know, maybe it's more of like a, uh, like a lower level, like caveman, like, uh, attraction <laughs> that the two had like, ugh, you hot, ugh, you dangerous. Let's procreate and make dumb kids. Sound good to me. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think it also depends on how you were raised in some ways, because if you were raised in this really controlled, uh, strict environment or, oh, you know, yeah, in, a, in like, an area where there wasn't really a lot of anything. Oh, my there dad. Was no excitement. My dad used to hit me and he was a piece of shit. And you remind me a lot like him. That's a turn on. I see that a lot, too. Like gir- girls with daddy issues. Like I've had a, I've lost a few friends to uh, dating uh-huh. pieces of shit. And I'm like, literally, I'm like, why are you dating this guy? He's clearly a fucking loser. And she's like, I have daddy issues. I'm like, well, fuck, at least you're self-aware, but Jesus. Yeah. Maybe maybe do something maybe about that. Maybe go to that? therapy. Yeah. Well, she did <laughs> go to therapy. Of... That's a problem. She did go to therapy. It obviously didn't help. Uh, I guess so. Maybe find a different therapist. Uh, but, yeah, like I was saying earlier, I think it has, in some ways, it, it can deal with or, or have to do with uh, how they're raised or the environment that they're raised in or or, you know. If they're, you know, if they grew up in a small town and there was jack shit to do and there was no danger, period. Like, how big of a town is Gary, Indiana? Apparently the house that the Jacksons stayed in was, like, the size of, like, one of those old turn-of-the-century log cabins. Okay. <laughs> like, so, uh, apparently it's not, like, the fanciest place in the world. I mean, I yeah. don't know how it is now. I mean... I don't know. All those small towns fucking suck. Everybody knows my stance on small towns. I don't like them. <laughs> you go to a small town, you cross, you you know, you cross the wrong sheriff. You know, you're, you're fucked because they, you know, they run those. You're towns. gonna end up like Rambo, and you know, oh, what about something to eat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, man. You you cross the law in those small towns, and it's almost like their own little country. Like they can do with you what they please. Yeah. That's exactly what happened in First Blood. Another movie I haven't <laughs> seen. 
You haven't seen no, First Blood? No, I haven't. Surprise. No, I haven't. Although I shouldn't be surprised. No, you shouldn't at this point. You really shouldn't. <laughs> so, uh, but Jaeger's charisma covered up a darker side to his personality. Margie had no idea he was an ex-convict with a long criminal record. He and other members of the outlaws were under investigation for racketeering, drug dealing, and murder. So, with the whole, like, uh, oh, he's a biker, he probably told her he was a part of a biker gang. Um, or maybe he didn't. Maybe he just said, I like bikes. Well, this is a good example where judging a book by its cover is a good thing, and you should have done that. <laughs> if, it, if it barks like a dog and it wags its tail like a dog, it's probably a dog. Or it could be yeah, a you, uh, goat. Cause, but I mean, then again, not all bikers, you know, I, I, who are part of biker gangs are actually criminals. Like, there are some biker gangs out there that, you know. Oh, yeah, no, really absolutely. There, criminal activities. There's a biker so, gang that um that literally, like, one of the main things they do is they, they go to Westboro Baptist Church protests or pickets, and they hold... Uh-huh positive signs in front and block yeah. the picketers you know that's cool and and i think uh hell's angels over the years has softened up too if i remember correctly uh they fucking killed someone in the Altamont festival back in the uh, yeah 60s. they did but but uh i don't think that was that ended the hippie dream yeah it did for sure but uh all, that whole thing was a fucking nightmare i wouldn't really blame it solely on them I mean, they hired them to do security. Like, I mean, I blame the guy who stabbed. Probably the not chick. the best. Probably not the best idea to fucking hire the Hell's Angels biker gang to be security at your at your uh, event. I'm just saying. So, yeah, security <laughs> is supposed to de-escalate situations, and they are supposed to be there to prevent things from happening not in sight what experience did the hell's angels have in de-escalating situations right that's what i'm saying that's why it was fucking stupid like i worked with uh not worked with but when i did my applebee's gig back in the day when i ran karaoke there they had security there because it was a bad part of town and they had Mm -hmm. situations there and um i said to the security guard one time i was like man i was like you guys never see any action up here and he's like that's the best scenario uh for a security guard is is you are preventing it's almost like saying yeah have there been any stabbings here no okay you're welcome then you know it's kind of one of those things it's like because i'm here you're not seeing these things happen it's not Mm -hmm. like they don't need to be hiring me and they're wasting their money because nothing's happening it's like we are preventing preventing things from happening because we do have a presence here and anytime there was a situation that you were always supposed to de-escalate and not, you know, not make it worse. So, mm-hmm. so uh, speaking of things that got worse, uh, the relationship uh, with uh, Margie and Jaeger ultimately got worse. Uh, but she still stuck with him, stuck by her man, because soon after they met, uh, she began dating him. Uh, her family's not sure if or when Margie found out about his criminal past. The only thing they know for certain was when that was that she began to change, according to Nadine. She became extremely distant. She became distant with me and my children and distant with the customers. And I don't know whether she was told to be distant and not to speak, or she just totally started to remove herself from society. Three months later, Margie left with Jaeger on a trip to Las Vegas. At the very moment, United States Marshals had already begun an operation to arrest Jaeger and several members of the outlaws. 
17 members of the gang were indicted for a Midwest crime spree that included bombings, robberies, and six murders. But U.S. Marshals had been unable to locate Randy Yeager. Margie's mother was worried. I saw the pictures and I said, oh my God, my daughter went with that man? What's going to happen to her now? That was, Meanwhile, that was a good read, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of passion in that. Meanwhile, 15 miles away in Nevada, federal agents traced Yeager to Las Vegas, but it was too late. He and Margie had apparently fled the city. Two weeks passed and Margie returned to Gary. Her family was relieved, but Nadine says Margie remained distant. She felt like, like uh, they would try to find him through her. She was led to believe that her apartment was bugged and that people were following her in the parking lot. She had an extreme paranoia, and I said, Marge, what, would you, what should you be paranoid about? Nobody's after you. You've not done a thing. You don't know that. She's been riding around and hanging around with Randy Mad Yeager, who's a wanted uh, fugitive and felon and leader of this notorious biker gang. Like, she might have actually been involved in crimes already at this point. I wonder if this, you know, you know, scruffy charm of his uh, led to... Uh, manipulation on 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 his part i definitely think it led to a bad case of crabs for her (laughs) that's where the scruffy that's that's where the scruffy part comes in yeah (laughs) so he had the charm of a gas station urinal some people find that hot i don't get it but you know i think it's mainly germans I'm all over the map today, guys. I'm sorry. Apparently. Astute mir leid, meine Deutschen. <laughs> so, um, three months after her return, Margie disappeared again. Patrick Emerson of the United States Marshal Service was involved in the investigation, and he's quoted here. At first, it just seemed like she had run off and joined Jaeger wherever he was at. But upon investigation, we found out that she had taken none of her clothes, her car, or anything else. We're really not sure what happened there. Maybe she had her own stuff already at Jaeger's place or already or wasn't really planning on taking any of that. She was just going to go on in the back of his bike and just hightail it out of town. Or maybe she's dead. It's been several years since Margie disappeared. Nadine says that her family believes that even if she is with Jaeger, that she's no longer his girlfriend, but his victim. Are you sure? Seems to me that she really fell for this guy. I I, I think she also started to uh, take part in the illicit activities, you know, these uh, illegal uh, things. And um, I don't know, uh, maybe she actually kind of started to enjoy it a little bit. Like some people actually, you know, they change. They get exposed to this kind of environment, this kind of uh, group, uh, and uh, they get a taste of it, and they actually wind up liking it, despite the fact that, you know, it goes against everything that they were raised with or everything that they initially previously stood for. Well, you know, sex trafficking is a big thing in in some some biker gangs, so, I mean, it's highly possible that 
she could have been, you know, converted into a a sex yeah. slave, if you will. That too. So there there are multiple different possibilities. There's, you know, she could have could have been killed. She could have just willingly joined Randy Yeager uh, on his, you know, cross country crime spree bonanza. Uh, or, you know, she could have been, uh, a slave for the biker gang or whatever. So, uh, it's been several years since she disappeared. Nadine says her family believes that even if she is with Jaeger, she's no longer his girlfriend, but his victim. And she's quoted here. I feel that he is holding her back and he won't let her communicate to her family. And at this point he's brainwashed her. Because this is so out of character for Margie not to make a phone call to us. Over the years, several mysterious phone calls have been made during the morning to the tavern. The caller never speaks, and only after a long pause hangs up. For her mother, these calls offer the slender hope that they will one day see Margie again. So, these kind of calls... I mean, in hindsight, it seems like a connection to Margie... But, like, only in hindsight, because in all honesty, it could easily just be a prank caller, just some, you know, jerk off, just jerking their chain, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't even have to necessarily be anyone who knows about the case, it, you know. I mean, back in the day, especially those times, like, prank calls were a lot more fun, and they were a lot yeah. more of a thing. I actually prank called someone, like, a few weeks ago. I hadn't, I hadn't done that in years. <laughs> It was this, there's this stupid, uh, by this new bar called the Phoenix, there's this, uh-huh. like, old boating-like place where you could rent boats, I guess, but they're shut down, but they still have their, like, sign-up, and it's, like, these two wooden posts, and at the very top of these wooden posts is, like, a boat that's, like, suspended up there, and it's got a phone number, and so I was drunk one night outside of Phoenix, and I saw this sign with this phone number, and my friend was with me. And we called the number just to see who would answer. And uh, it was just this guy's cell phone. And it went to voicemail. I was like all drunk. And I was like, at first I was trying to be serious. I was like, hey, I'm calling from uh, the uh, State Bureau of Safety. And uh, you, uh, and I just started laughing. I was like, you left your stupid boat on top of the sign. Come and get it down. <laughs> and I, me and my friend thought it was so funny because, you know, it's obviously it must have been some kind of hollowed out boat or something. It was just supposed to grab your attention. But I'm like, you parked your boat on top of this sign, you fucking idiot. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Just forget <laughs> I talked for the last like two minutes. <laughs> Josh's uh, attempt to be a crank yanker. Yep. I'm better at yanking my own crank, honestly. So that show actually, uh, I think, had a new season recently. Really? Came back. Oh, wow. Frank Yankers. Comedy Central is desperate, I guess, for uh, for content. I think all cable TV uh, channels are at this point. Yeah. So uh, her mother is quoted here. She says, I want Margie to come home. Whatever she did, she did. But come home. My heart and my door is always open for her. I'm waiting for her. That's really, uh, really sad. Even more sad when you find out uh, the update. So uh, the update is Randy Yeager and Margie Jelovic were discovered living together in a Mexican beach town called Rosarita. When Mexican authorities arrested Yeager and found him in possession of a gun... 
Margie fled in their car, leading police on a high-speed chase. She lost control of her car, flipped it three times, and was found dead beside her vehicle. Yikes. So she was, you know, basically just wanted a clean break from her family, and she wanted to just be with this uh, scruffy, charming man. And... Yeah. Uh, so what did they arrest Randy for? Uh, they found him in possession of a gun. Well, it's saying they arrested Jaeger and found him in possession of a gun. So they it sounded like they arrested him first and then found out he had a gun. Yeah, so they probably arrested him for, you know, other the the the, the crimes that he was you know, he was indicted on charges of racketeering and conspiracy. Oh, okay. He pleaded guilty in exchange for a 15-year term in federal prison. 15 years. Apparently, her sister identified the body. Ugh. That sucks. What do you think? Do you think she just joined, she joined the gang? Uh, yeah, I think like. she became, you know, one of the biker girls. I see uh, there's a biker gang that comes up to this dive bar that I, I frequent, and they have, you know, chicks that are associated with the group, and, you know, they I guess they're into that lifestyle, and, you know, I don't know. I, I, I You know, obviously she's got issues, and, you know, anybody that's going to be with someone who is potentially breaking the law or, you know, okay with, you know, violence and all that is, uh, you know, they, the, I mean, it's like you knew this about him when you met him and you still chose to be with him. So, I mean, you know, I don't feel bad for you. It's kind of on you at that point, you know, and if you're willing to go on a high speed chase from the cops, then clearly your mind's yeah. not right and you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're, That's what I thought. If you were a victim, if the cops show up, you would be like, you know... Oh, please, yeah. you know, thank you, you know. Clearly she was complicit in whatever it it, it was that they that uh -huh. Randy was doing, so... Yeah. yeah. I don't feel bad. It's like you, you made your life choices, and now you lay in the bed that you made for yourself. So, you know, there you go. Mm -hmm. It's all part of being an adult. We all have choices. You can call us soulless all you want, but... Um... I, I don't I'm not I'm not into the whole like poor girl thing. Oh no. Because No, that in in fact that that is that is sexist. That would be sexist to to say poor girl as if as if she doesn't have the same caliber of choice as a man would, you know. It's like, "No, no, no. She can make the same choices that anyone else can, and those are the choices that she made if this story happened how they said it happened." So there's someone yep. in the comments saying Mexican authorities shot and killed her, so but that's all conjecture. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, they're just they're just someone. <laughs> but you know, these people on these uh, un unsolved dot com on these comment sections, man, they're they're spinning stories left and right. You never you never know what to believe. There's always one or two comments where it's like, well, here's what really happened, and you know, take it with a grain of salt. Probably yeah. take it with many grains, maybe some pepper too. <laughs> so uh, the next case is of Curtis. Pishon. Pishon, motherfucker! Oh, Pishon, okay. Pishon! That sounds like <laughs> tell, That's like sounds like a way to tell someone to leave you alone. 
Hey, man, piss on. Kind of like piss off, but, you know, piss on. Yeah, pretty much. So for 10 years... What's worse? I mean, piss off or piss on? Uh, piss on would be much I mean, worse. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for 10 years, Curtis Pishon cherished his career as a police officer, as many of us do, who are police officers. I'm saying this as if I am also a police officer. I'm just trying to be relatable here. He was then stricken with multiple sclerosis, a painful muscular disorder that severely limited his mobility. The disease progressed to the point where Curtis could no longer fire his gun accurately. He had no choice but to turn in his badge. That's fucking tragic, man. Yeah. His brother Mark Pichon believed uh, this devastated Curtis. His personality changed. He became sort of quieter. And I don't... I don't think even up to the time of his disappearance, he really knew what he was going to do with the rest of his life. According to his family, Curtis became depressed and withdrawn. But when he got a job as a factory security guard in Seabrook, New Hampshire, his self-esteem slowly returned. On the night of July 5th, 2000, everything seemed normal. Curtis was already well into his shift when at 1.42 a.m., he called Seabrook firefighters complaining that his car was on fire. Jeff Brown, a deputy chief at the Seabrook Fire Department, was on call that night. Quote, he pretty much said he saw a bunch of smoke, went to find a fire extinguisher, and put the fire out. One fire extinguisher is not going to have much effect. We did notice that he tried to put out the fire, but I don't have any idea or gut feeling how the fire started or why the case ended up the way it did. After interviewing Curtis, Deputy Chief Brown found him to be very accepting that his car had been torched. This was puzzling to his brother Mark because Curtis had the odd habit of using his car to store what he treasured the most. I would think that if he had seen his car on fire with his belongings in it, that he would have been very upset. I would think he would have been almost in tears and in shame, and I, I can't believe he was quiet, timid. Now, uh, okay, that would make sense, but what if he lit the, lit the car on fire, you know? Maybe he was just like, I'm sick of this, I'm done, and I want to start over or something. Well... Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, this is a, honestly a pretty bizarre case. Yes. In a lot of different ways. But that's a big reason why I picked it, because I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I, I've seen this, this this case several times, yeah. and it's one of those ones that you just kind of forget about, you know? I mean, not because it's not good, but it's just, you know, when you when you watch as many episodes as I do, yeah. shit slips through the cracks. Yeah, it is just one of those things where it's like, okay, <clears throat> what happened here? And also, I mean, it's, it's rather intriguing, his whole, I'm going to keep everything valuable to me in my car. It'd be like me having, like, my guitar in there, my MacBook, my fucking, like, video games. Like, yeah, just, yeah, that, that's not... A, that's just a magnet for thieves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I already hate the fact that I keep my DJ equipment in there, but I, I'm, I'm not going to load and unload my car every single time I have a gig with those heavy-ass speakers. Fuck that. I don't blame you. So after the fire was extinguished, the factory security supervisor checked on Curtis. He appeared to be all right. Then 20 minutes later, at 3.45 a.m., a factory worker noticed that Curtis was missing. An exhaust- exhaustive search of the factory and the surrounding area turned up nothing. 
Curtis's brother, Nicholas Pichon Jr., immediately suspected the worst. Our very first thought about what had happened to Curtis was that he could have taken his own life. Suicide was a possibility with someone in Curtis's position with MS. He had lost his job that he wanted all his life. Curtis had recently purchased a 9mm gun from his father, so suicide seemed like a likely theory. However, police found no trace of the gun in his car or apartment. Investigators next focused on the possibility that Curtis had a mental breakdown. They believed Curtis accidentally started the fire and then became so despondent over losing his prized possessions they simply walked away. Nicholas Pichon disagreed with that theory. There is absolutely no way that Curtis would have or even could have wandered off by himself under these conditions. Curtis was a smoker. Smokers don't just leave cigarettes. You don't go anywhere without your cigarettes. It just doesn't happen. So he didn't just walk off. It was also possible that Curtis called for a taxi or hitched a ride on a truck leaving the factory. But investigators discovered that no cabs or company trucks left the plant during his shift. That left a disturbing possibility for investigators. Curtis Pichon was abducted or even worse, murdered. While exploring the possibility of foul play, investigators found that a door and two vending machines inside the factory where Curtis worked were damaged during his shift, but no one knows who caused the damage. For Nicholas Pichon, any possibility that his brother's alive has faded. My best guess is that somebody abducted him and did him in and disposed of the body in such a way that it hasn't shown up yet. I think if he was alive, he would have reached out already. And he never would have put us through this. I miss my brother. I miss Curtis. I was his best friend and I miss him. I miss him very much. Now, another theory that was posited on this show that isn't brought up here is that Curtis started the fire on purpose. And this is something that one of the people on the show was saying. They said sometimes security guards and people in these kind of positions will do something purposefully like start a fire and then they will put it out. And that way they'll look like the hero to yeah. managers or whoever uh-huh. else. So that was one of the theories yeah. that was brought up. But, you know, why would he then go missing if that was... Yeah, exactly. So that, that theory doesn't really hold a lot of water. Yeah, so apparently there is more information to this story. In 2008, Curtis's family had declared him legally dead. Robert E. April, a co-worker of, of his, has been, I, uh, has been a person of interest in this case since 2005. In 2008, he was arrested for threatening to kill the brother of a man who owed him money. In the threat, he had allegedly said he had killed and buried Curtis. He has not been charged with Curtis's disappearance, despite being named numerous times in local media as a suspect. He has never given an interview or made uh, any public statements in an attempt to clear his name. He refused a polygraph test when he was officially questioned by police. He has been in trouble with the law since, but in each case he is either acquitted or the charges are dropped. Recently, investigators have stated that information gathered over time has helped them piece together what happened, including the identity of the person they believed murdered Curtis. But a lack of witness testimony has kept the case from closing. They now believe that some of the workers that night, including April, were breaking into a vending machine when Curtis came upon them. They also believe the fire was set as a diversion. A $10,000 reward is being offered by Curtis's family for information leading to the return of his remains. The the diversion thing, that's that's a really interesting uh, suggestion, and I'm surprised no one mentioned that 
in this uh, segment, that it was a diversion for, you know, something else. That would, you know, make make more sense. You know, it wasn't some accident. He didn't, like, accidentally light his car on fire and then walk away, you know? Or uh, light it on fire purpose, per, on, on purpose. It was actually uh, lit on fire by other people as a diversion. Um, maybe to cover up uh, the murder. Well... Curtis was still alive when the car was on fire, so oh, it'd yeah. be di- so. It'd probably- I, I guess a, a diversion for the for the for, for Curtis. Like, oh man, my car's on fire. But it's a vending machine, dude, really? Like, but it's not Curtis. It's a diversion for April and the other people to break into the vending machine. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're gonna you're gonna torch someone's car so you can get some s- Snickers and some Milky Way. I know. Yeah. I know. Like, what in the actual fuck? <laughs> and you're going to kill someone because they saw you breaking into a vending machine? I mean, even if you broke into it to, like, get the money that's in it, like, how much... I mean, I don't know. Unless it's, like, a huge factory where that's, like, one of the only vending machines and they know for a fact that, oh, there's got to be at least... But, I mean, goddamn. The, back in, uh, what, the f- 2000, the prices... Like, I think a, a Snickers bar and a vending machine was, like, a dollar, maybe? Uh, if that, like, how much money are you, like, realistically going to gain from that, man? Stupid criminals. Yeah. The shit that people kill people for is just ridiculous. This is an interesting comment uh, from Main Mystery on uh, the Unsolved uh, website. The damage to the vending machine may seem like an innocuous crime, but it could be more important to the story than one might expect. The mafia often has a large stake in the vending and jukebox business, especially back then. Really? Alrighty. <laughs> the mafia? The mob. The mob rules the vending machine and jukebox business, too? Okay. All right, main mystery. Hey, that's uh. Hoods will often rob and vandalize rival machines, not only for a quick buck, but more so to intimidate and muscle in on their routes. That's uh, it's a nice uh vending machine you got there. It uh, it'd be a shame if uh one of the Snickers bars got hooked on the little vending coil, and then you gotta put another dollar in just to get another one. Yeah, that's the kind of shit we do if you don't pay us. We fix the coils to where the snacks snag on them. So uh, that that's why the M and M's at my vending machine at at work are are so hard to get out. Yep, of the that's damn the mob. That's, they didn't pay off the mob, so they fixed it to where it does that. So anytime you go to a vending machine and your snack gets uh, hooked on a. Uh, on the on the little coil thing, uh, it's that's 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 the mob. They, the the per, the uh, procurer of the vending machine did not pay off the mob, so there you go. <laughs> uh, it seems like uh, this uh, this other guy uh, who s- admitted that he you know killed and buried Curtis in a conversation. Uh, I definitely think Robert E. April either killed him or he's definitely involved one way or another with his with his death yeah i don't know <clears throat> it's an unsolved mystery Udigu, digu digu boo dagu dagu doogie so so you don't think that 
Robert E. April was involved with his with his death or his disappearance. I mean, honestly, it sounds like they're 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 just about to book the guy, but all they need is like that one testimony from you know a mm. vital person to do it. So I mean, he probably was. So, I would say Curtis is definitely dead. It's not. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, that was twenty years ago. So even if he wasn't dead from murder, I mean, the multiple sclerosis probably would have done him in by this point. The complications from MS. Hmm. Well, that's depressing, but uh, I think uh, that's all I really got to say about that case. Do you want to talk about the Walmart bomb? <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I did have a. Okay, so here's a. Uh, one of our listeners wanted us to do the uh, "Never Have I Ever" game. Uh, I don't really know how this is going to work with me and Mike not being able to see each other and not drinking to me this is a drinking game so what you're supposed to do is you rest your hands on the floor or put them up in the air and um you can have someone volunteer to go first or you play rock paper scissors the first person says never have i ever and then announces something outrageous that they haven't done it's best if the player thinks it's likely it's something other people have done uh, for example, you can say, never have I ever been to Europe. Um, the players who also haven't done it should keep their fingers up. Um, but if you have done it, then you put your finger down. Uh, the last person who has fingers up wins the game. So, I mean, yeah, usually this is like a drinking game. Anytime I've ever played this game, it's something like, you know, never have I ever sucked a dick, you know, and then the chicks have to put, you know, one of their fingers down or whatever. It's also a good way to see who, you know, gauge who who the sluts are in the room. So, you know, who to kind of, you know, focus your attention on if you're trying to get lucky that night. Um, I, I don't really see how this is, will be an easy game for us to play over, you know, the Internet, not being able to yeah. see each other. Sounds a little difficult. But, I mean, I don't know. I at least floated the idea out there. But now, as I'm digging into this, I don't... I don't know. I guess we can make a, a an attempt. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I could just go off of a bunch of movies, really. Never have I ever seen A, B, and C, and Mike would beat me on that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see this game working in theory. Sorry, um... Jade, I believe, was the one who suggested it. I, I made a valiant effort, but now that I'm thinking about it, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. Uh, if we were in person and there was alcohol involved, absolutely. Um, so you, you want to talk about this stupid Walmart thing that happened? <laughs> sure. I mean, we still got we still got some time to kill. Yeah. So this lady, uh, and again, I've already stated my case on this in the group. You know, I'm the Florida man defender, so I am not going to I'm not going to come down on this lady. Uh, A woman was jailed after police say she built a uh, crude bomb while in a Walmart store and was moments from setting it off, according to reports. Uh, She's just a fan of MacGyver. (laughs) WFLA Channel 8 reports a security guard spotted the woman identified as Emily Stallard, 37, and prevented her from lighting a shoelace which was being used as a wick for the crude device. Authorities tell WFLA that Stollard's young son was next to her as she tried to light the shoelace. 
she's been charged with attempted arson of a structure, firebombing, and contributing to the delinquency of a minor child. Now, my response when this was first posted in the group was, who among us hasn't wanted to detonate a homemade explosive after shopping in a Walmart? I mean, come on. That, to me, is just common sense human reaction. Human instinct is what she was acting on. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there should be more people uh, firebombing Walmarts after shopping there. I mean, if you've ever been to a Walmart, that okay, let me strike that sentence from the record. I don't think you should do that because more than two people listen to this podcast and that could be seen as incendiary, no pun intended. But um, yeah, anyway, you know, sometimes you go in there and you're just like, you know, fuck this place. I'm going to build a homemade bomb with a mason jar and some tic tac or some tacks. Some Tic Tacs. <laughs> a flavor bomb. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I actually heard about the story on the news, on our local news. Uh, they talked about this. So I actually had already heard of the story before this was posted. Sometimes you hear about this stuff and it's like, man, uh, that there's no way that that actually happened. It's like Florida man gets in an argument with alligator over an ice cream pint. It's like that didn't happen. But this, uh, yeah, this actually, uh, this actually happened, apparently. So, yeah, anyway, I think that's the uh, end of the podcast. Um, if you would like to subscribe to our YouTube channels individually, you can do so. Mike is the movie guy, and his YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. Mike, what was the last video you did? So last video I did, I talked about uh, what the fuck happened to the New Mutants. Uh, it was a movie that uh, was going to be released by Fox before they got bought out by Disney. But then there were rumors of reshoots, and then there was all kinds of stuff that happened, and then it didn't come out. And now there's a new trailer, and the tone and the whole kind of vibe of it looks very different than it did with the previous teaser trailer and it looks a lot more generic than it did previously because, you know, Disney is now involved. So, uh, I talked about the possibility that there was a harder, uh, more horror themed, uh, cut of the film that might've been rated R or at least would have been a more, uh, hard horror cut that probably will not, wind up seeing the light of day considering Disney and their whole thing. Uh, even though it's being released under their Fox banner, uh, I don't trust Disney to really release this uh, in a way that is uncut. Also, why did it take so damn long if, if it is being released the way that it was always intended to be released? I don't buy it. I really do not buy uh, the reasoning for that. But so I just kind of just talked about that in in the uh, in that video. I also reviewed uh, Fred Durst's uh, horror film, The Fanatic, with uh, John Travolta, which you didn't hate. No, I didn't. But there is some cringy scenes, like uh, the lead uh, one of the lead uh, characters, Devon Sawa, who plays a character named uh, I think it's Hunter something, and he has this kid with him. And the movie stops to a screeching halt so uh, Fred Durst can uh, remind you that he 
is in the pan Limp Bizkit, and that Limp Bizkit is cool. Because <laughs> there's a scene where the, the, the hunter and his kid, uh, he's like, you want to listen to some Limp Bizkit? It's like, yeah, yeah, Little Biscuit. Yeah, you know, Limp Biscuit would be cool <laughs> if Fred Durst wasn't in it. <laughs> but uh, for a film directed by Fred Durst that starts with John Travolta saying a line like, I got a poo, uh, it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So I don't think it's as bad as so many critics say it is, but I'm not going to stand up and defend the movie. That's for sure. All right, so go on over to Mike's channel if you want to check any of that out. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, it is youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. Um, the video I'm literally going to drop... Well, shit. Okay, so my video situation, last video I did is my channel update still. The bands with two lead singers video is done. It is complete. I, I can drop it right now. The thumbnail's on it. It's got the tags. It's, it's ready to go. However, Neil Peart died last week. So, I feel like as a Rush fan, as a fan of Neil as a human being, uh, it's only right for me to do a Neil Peart dedication video tonight and release that tomorrow, and then push the two-singer video back until next week. So, the next video I'm going to do will be a dedication video remembering uh, the late, great drummer from Rush, uh, Neil Peart. And it's Peart, not Pert, you dumbasses. So go on over my channel, and uh, that, that video should be out tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Um, and please uh, listen to my band, Dancing With Ghosts, on Spotify. Our numbers are kind of dropping. Our monthly listeners uh, don't know why. Probably because we haven't really played any shows or anything like that in a while. But if uh, you want to check out, you know, if this is your favorite podcast and you like me and you want to hear what else I do... That's uh, music inclined. Uh, I haven't been promoting the band on here because, you know, I'm trying not to shove it down people's throats. But please do go over and check our band out, Dancing With Ghosts, uh, and give us a listen. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. So uh, until next week, I hope you guys have a good rest of your night or day. Bye. See ya. Cool. Cool.